Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, good morning. You may not realize it, but every day you are affected and influenced by the views of other people, the people around you, the worldviews of your friends, the worldviews of the people whom you work with, the worldviews of your parents, your coworkers, the media, worldviews of celebrities, worldviews of the people you listen to in school. They have influenced your life in, in ways that you're not even aware of. Not only that, but every day you are influenced by your own worldview. The fact is, it determines your happiness, so how you see the world, how you see God. You filter it through your worldview, and it impacts your happiness. It impacts and determines the success in your life. It determines how you feel about life. It determines your peace of mind, your stress level your confidence level, all comes from your worldview. So we're in a series on God's perspective on life that we've called truth. We're looking at God's perspective on life because the truth of God gives us solid ground in a shifting, changing world. Uh, Last week, I gave you my worldview that I am a Christian, and I said I am a Christian because Christianity is true. And next week, we're going to look at why is the world in the mess it is? Why is the world such a mess? And then the week after that, we're going to look at how do we fix it? What is the solution uh, to the problem? Uh, today, we're going to look throughout Scripture and just develop a systematic look at who we are, where we came from, and then even more importantly than that, the implications, because there are five very profound implications that will affect the rest of your life. Um, so let's get to it. We gave you a worship guide when you walked in the door today. Uh, hopefully you were able to grab one of those and there's a place in there to take notes along with the message if you wanna follow along and uh, see how close I am to being done. Gets closer all the time. And uh, you could open up the Rockbrook app and follow along there and uh, take notes on there if you'd like as well. Uh, but let's look at three fundamental truths of what we believe If you're taking notes, number one, we believe, the truth is, God created everything. If you can't get past these four words, then really life has no meaning, life has no purpose. But the Bible says, in the beginning, God. God existed long before the universe, long before this planet, certainly long before the human race. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible tells us that God spoke the universe into being. He spoke it into existence. People ask, well, do you, do you believe God uses the theory of evolution? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Uh, species, I mean, we know that species can change. For instance, you can change the color of an orchid. Uh, we call them hybrids. You can change an orchid from yellow to green. You can take a plant or animal and change their features. Species mate and devolve, but animals don't become other animals. Species don't become other species. There are changes, certainly. You can show how birds can change their beaks 
uh, color or because of winter or fruit fly, you can change its life circle and span. But there's no record, there's no evidence in the fossils of species changing from one thing into another thing. Natural selection and mutations cannot add the information necessary to change one kind of creature into another. It's interesting that the Bible does not spend a whole lot of time talking about how God created the universe. Instead, it spends a lot of time talking about why, why God created the universe. And that's really what I'm more interested in. Why did he do it? Why did God create the universe? Why did God create the earth? Why did God create human beings? Why did God create all this? Isaiah 45, 18 says, He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. God made the earth to be inhabited. He made it so it could sustain life, not to be a dead planet. He created it to sustain life. Why? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 2, 10, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. It says God did all this to bring glory to himself, and he did it because he wanted to do it. He wanted to have many children to share in his glory. Scripture tells us again and again. Who's he talking about there? He's talking about He's talking about you and me. He's talking about believers. He's talking about the church. God was not lonely. He did not need us. But God is love and he created us as objects of love. You were made to be loved by God. God created the entire universe so he could create the earth, so he could create the human race, so he could create you, so that he could love you. We are the idea behind creation. God made it all possible so he could love us. The Bible says he created everything, but he did it uh, because we are the crown of his creation. Number two, if you're taking notes, meaning God thought of us first, but he made us last. In the book of Genesis, we get the exact order of creation. It says God created light, he created water, he created the sky, the atmosphere, he created the ocean and the land. He split the ocean into dry and wet land. He created vegetation, water animals, uh, birds, land animals. And then finally, last of all, he created man and woman. He created human beings. He created everything else first, but we were the reason for all of the stuff that came before. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. He said, I'm going to create the universe so I can create these people so that I can love them. He created us last but thought of us first. We're the reason for everything else. We're the crown of creation. James 1.18, he chose to give birth through the word, give to us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. What in the world does that mean? means that, that God is saying he brought us into being so that we could have first place among all creation. You, as a human being, are unlike anything else God has made. We'll talk a little bit about that more in a minute, but here's the third thing, third truth that we know about creation, and that is God purposed each of us. Now, when you stop and actually think about this, I mean, it, it is indescribable. 
indescribable. It is amazing what God did. Psalm 139, verse 13, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Few things are more complex than the human body. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. In other words, when God, uh, when, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, God saw it happening. He watched you. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God oversaw your creation because he has a place and a purpose and a plan for your life. He oversaw the mechanism and the method of that creation. You would not be created without it. Don't let anyone tell you you are an accident. Don't tell yourself you are an accident. There are accidental parents. There are no accidental babies. God planned you. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. Really, it has nothing to do whether, whether or not uh, they were good parents or bad parents or indifferent parents. Maybe you never even uh, knew them. Why did God choose your parents? Because they had just the right DNA to create you. He wanted you. And he had you in mind. Whether they were good or bad people or whatever, he wanted you and they had the DNA to create you. There are illegitimate parents. There are no illegitimate children. God had a plan. And if you're here, it's because he wanted you here. This is incredible. What, what should be our response to this? What are the implications to God creating everything? God thought of us first but made us last and God purposed you. What are the implications of that? Well, there are five and they have a profound impact on your life when you understand them. Number one is this, and that is your life has sanctity. Your life has sanctity. What does that mean? Sanctity comes from the word to sanctify. To sanctify means to set apart. It means to make something special. It means to dedicate it for a special use. So for instance, if Anne or Jesse or Noel were to take their instrument and they were to dedicate it to God, they were to come to God and say, God, you've given me this ability. You provided this instrument. I want to use it for your glory. I want to use it to make music that points people to you, that glorifies you, that God, that you take pleasure. I want to do something with this that you take pleasure in. What have they just done? They have sanctified that instrument. They've set it apart for special use. The Bible says your life has sanctity because human beings are uniquely different from all the rest of creation. They have been set apart. We have been set apart. Let me give you three reasons, three verses, your life has sanctity. We're just systematically looking at this, letting the Bible interpret the Bible of what, of what this means for us. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God designed you in his image. He patterned you after himself. That makes you different from every other thing in creation, every other species. We have a free moral choice. You can choose between right and wrong. You have a conscience. Animals don't have a conscience. You can talk to God. You can pray to God. You can make decisions and create decisions and create tools. 
There are a lots of things, there are lots of things that you can do because you're made in the image of God. That makes you different from the rest of creation. The second reason your life has sanctity, the second verse is because God planned your life before you were born. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Did you know that God says he knew you before you were even conceived? He thought of you. He conceived you before your parents conceived you. There are examples of this all throughout Scripture. John the Baptist, Isaiah, many, many examples of this. The same is true with you. God designed you in his image. He planned you before your birth. Uh, There's an instance in scripture where God says to Rebecca, the sons in your womb, he didn't say fetuses, he said the sons in your womb shall become two rivals. One will be stronger than the other. The older shall be the servant of the younger. God already knew what was going to happen to those two boys. He already knew. Why? Because God has a plan that cannot be thwarted. And this is, why, this is why we do not believe in abortion, because abortion short-circuits God's plan. God thought of you long before your parents did. God put you here for a reason. And God says, I don't want my plan, I don't want my purpose short-circuited by anybody else. He made you in his image. He planned you before your birth. Here's a third verse and a third reason of why your life has sanctity. God made you for his will. You were planned for God's pleasure. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. God wanted to enjoy you in his will. and And for you to learn to enjoy him back. Did you know God just enjoys watching you be you? A lot of times we think only God's only happy with us when we're doing spiritual things like going to church. But the fact is God enjoys you when you're just doing the things that he created you to do. If you're good at making sales or closing deals, God says, way to go. If you're good at cooking or you're good at doing something mechanical, God says, way to go. If you're good at painting or writing or crocheting, or cooking, God says, that's my boy, that's my girl, way to go. When you're good at teaching or good at planning or whatever you do, God is, is happy with you. He enjoys watching you be you. I understand this as a parent. When my kids, they don't make me happy only when they're quoting Bible verses to me. I enjoy watching them color and and wrestle and play and play catch and I enjoy watching them sleep and I just so enjoy it when they're sleeping and (laughs) it's just (laughs) your heavenly father's no different he loves you in a perfect way I love my kids in an imperfect way God loves you in a perfect way. God says, I enjoy you. That's why I made you. He enjoys us, especially when we interact with him through whatever we're doing. Because God made you in his image. You're not an accident. That means, first of all, your life has sanctity. Nobody's got the right to take it. Your life has sanctity. Number two, your being has dignity. Write that in if you're taking notes. Dignity. Uh, Deep inside of you, what you want most of all in life is you want dignity. 
Now, you may not realize it. You may not have verbalized it in that way. But everybody wants to feel that their life is worth something and is significant and that it counts for something. What is it that gives us dignity? Uh, we try all, all kinds of things to try and fill the dignity hole that is in our life. Uh, but you don't get dignity from wealth. You don't get it from fame. You don't get it from having specific things. You don't get dignity from sex. You don't get dignity from physical beauty. Dignity is much, much deeper than all of those things. If you try and find significance and fulfill dignity in any of those things, you'll be deeply disappointed in life. It's much deeper. You can have everything by the world's standards, money, sex, power, fame, beauty, acceptance, and still feel like a fake inside. Why? Because you were made for far more. Where does real dignity come from, real significance? Uh, it, they all come from God. It all comes from God. Real dignity comes from realizing that God sacrificed Jesus, his son, for you. When you realize that, you realize that God considered you valuable enough to die for. You were worth dying for. Have you ever realized that? That he paid a ransom for you with his blood. He didn't want you to spend eternity apart from him. He did not want you to experience hell. So he died for you to save you, to rescue you from that. Jesus says, this is how valuable you are to me. This is how valuable you are to God. You're worth dying for. You're worth going through this pain. You're worth going through the passion. You're worth going through all of that suffering. The nails in my hands. That's how much you are worth. That's why the Bible says to treat everyone you meet with dignity. Why does he say that? Because everyone you meet is someone Jesus died for. You will never meet anybody that Jesus did not die for. It doesn't matter if they believe it or not, accept it or not. That means believers and non-believers. It means people you agree with and disagree with. It means the elderly. It means the young. It means people with differing worldviews. We are not to demonize one another. It means treating women with dignity. It means treating men with dignity. It means treating every race with dignity. He says, you treat them with dignity because I died for them. And that's what gives them dignity. What gives us dignity? Jesus died for us. Another thing is when you realize that the Holy Spirit, when you become a believer, lives in your life. When you invite Jesus Christ to be in your heart, when you invite Jesus Christ to be in your life, uh, what does that mean? You're ultimately saying, God, I want your spirit to come live inside of me. And as you begin to get to know him, you begin to learn that this spirit is leading you and guiding you and transforming your life. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples now, you'll often hear people say, professional athletes, you'll hear them say, oh, my body is a temple. They're, they're quoting only half of a famous verse. It's a temple of what? A temple of you? A temple of whomever? A temple of what? Well, your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor your God, honor God with your bodies. God says, I sacrificed Jesus for you. That gives you dignity. I'm willing to come live in your life through the Holy Spirit. That gives you dignity. 
And another reason you have dignity is that Jesus gives you a new identity. When you come to him, God gives you a new identity. When you start trusting Jesus Christ, he transforms your life. He makes things better. He makes things new. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Let's read this one out loud together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Let me tell you why this is so amazing and why this is so important. And let me be very blunt with you. You have done some things in your life that you are very ashamed of. And so have I. There are lots of things in our lives we think, I wish I could do that over. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't messed up that relationship. I wish I could replay the tape. I wish I could go back and not have done that. I wish I could get that off my record. I wish I could have a fresh start. I wish I could just take that off the slate. Even worse, there are bad things we do that we don't even have enough sense to regret them. We justify them. We convince ourselves we were in the right when it was wrong. And every time you and I sin, it damages our dignity. Sin does not just hurt God, it hurts you. When you break God's principles, you don't just hurt other people and God, you hurt yourself. And it damages your dignity. Every time you sin, it replaces a little bit of self-respect with a little bit of shame. And it begins to pile up in your life. And you begin to try and push it out of the way by staying busy or playing sports or getting drunk or getting high or having parties or staring at a screen. But it's still there. And when all of that stops, it's still there. Of that wish, I wish I could go back and not have done that. What do I do with my sin? And every time you blow it, it robs you of your dignity. But Jesus Christ is in the dignity restoring business. He says, when you come to me, when you give me your life, I blot out your transgressions. When you come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness, he forgives you immediately. The second you come, he restores your dignity. If you wish you could have that thing off of your record, he's the only one who can take it off your record. And he says your life has sanctity, your identity, your being has dignity because of what he's done for you. He says, I want to put my spirit in your heart. I will give you a brand new identity and I will make you all things new. Nobody else can. But Jesus in your life can give you a fresh start. Because there is a God and because that God loves you and thought of you and created you and sent his son to die for you and he puts his spirit in you, all of these things. Your life has sanctity. Your being has dignity. And number three, if you're taking notes, your days have intentionality. That means God has a defined purpose for your days while you're here on earth. They're not long, but you're here for a certain time. In Acts 17, the Apostle Paul says that God knows when we'll be born, where we will be born. The Bible says this in Psalm 139, 16. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Uh, do you know God already knows everything that's going to happen in your life? He's not surprised by anything. He knows it all. Now, he didn't make all those things happen. 
Uh, he gave us a free will to choose, and we're affected by other people's free will, but he knows what's going to happen. And every day of our life is in, in his book before we're one day old. We've talked about this many times in, in detail. God says, I, I have planned for you things to do. In fact, in, in Ephesians 2.10, he says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared a mission in advance for us to be a part of. And before you were born, God decided how he was going to wire you up to help fulfill that mission. You know, there are some things that you could not care less about. God gave those interests to somebody else. God uniquely shaped you to play a role in this place and this time in history. And only you can play your role. If you don't be you, nobody else is going to be you. This is very important. God never compares you to anybody else. Never. One day you're going to stand on the judgment day before God and we'll all be evaluated. And the Bible says that there's going to be a look at your own life. Not your life compared uh, to someone else who spoke a different language, lived in a different place. Maybe you have physical ailments or problems or issues in your life. Your life will be compared to you. It'll be your life with what God gave you, with what you had. He's not comparing you with someone else. He's comparing you with what he intended you to be. Are you going on his plan or going on your own plan? Can we miss God's purpose in our life? People do all the time. They do all the time. People consciously choose all the time. I would rather go after money than what God is leading me to do. I would rather go after what makes me happy with this person than what God is leading me to do. I would rather be popular than do what God is leading me to do. People choose that all the time and they miss God's purpose. Here's the good news. When you come before God and say, God, here is my life and I want to fulfill your purpose in my life, you won't miss it. You won't miss it because he wants it more than you do. It leads us to the, to the fourth implication, is that then everything in your life, let's look at this, number four, put it this way, my problems produce maturity. When you, become, when you come before God and say, God, I want your purpose done in my life, he begins using everything in your life to fulfill a purpose. Every problem has a purpose. That means there's meaning in the mess you're in right now. You can't see it, in fact, you rarely do. We rarely see the meaning of the mess when we're in it. God paints on too big a canvas. We don't, we're not able to see that large a perspective, but there is meaning in this mess. Now, God, God doesn't cause the problems in your life, so stop blaming God. God doesn't have to cause problems. Uh, we cause plenty of problems on our own. <laughs> problems are caused by other people. They're caused by the world. They're caused by the environment. They're caused by DNA and genetics. They're caused by the devil. God doesn't have to cause any problems in our life. There are lots of causes, but God allows them and he permits them for good intention. He has a good intention even when other people have a bad intention. Study the life of Joseph where at the end of it, he says, you meant it for harm. God meant it for good. All these horrible things that had happened to him. God can bring peace 
out of the pieces of your life. Any of you remember uh, the TV show that they, they brought it back a few years, MacGyver? And, uh, oh, nobody? Come on. Anybody remember the A-Team? When I was a kid, the A-Team, I love the A-Team. Favorite part of any A-Team episode is when they go into a shop or they go somewhere and just in a matter of few hours, they take a bunch of fire extinguishers or all these random different things and they piece it together and they have enough to take down a whole army. Or MacGyver will go in and he'll just take, it's fun to watch, he could take anything and use it for his purpose. He'd take a lipstick canister, a little carrot juice and some duct tape and make a bomb. Or he just had this ability to a little baling wire, chewing gum and acetone and all all of a sudden you've got something that makes a rocket ship. He could use anything, ordinary things, good or bad, for his own purpose. God is even better than that. He can take everything in your life, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the nasty stuff, the weird stuff that you look back on your life and go, what in the world was that all about? The bizarre stuff, the hurtful stuff, he can take any of it because he's God and piece it together and use it for his purpose. Use it to grow you. God is bigger than all the problems you've been through. His purpose is greater than the problems you've been through. He says, I have intentionality even in the problems. I will bring good out of them if you trust me. And right now is character building time. God wants to grow us to maturity. How does God grow the character in our life? He does it several different ways. First, he does it through truth. That's why we're doing this series on truth. Your worldviews, so that you know the truth about life. That's why we're launching foundations next month. I announced that last week as well. If you want to look at the bottom of your outline with me, foundations, core truths to build your life on. Foundations develops a Christian worldview by taking you through the core doctrines of Christianity. Christian doctrine is the organized summary of what the Bible teaches about the most important issues of life. This class is going to begin the week of September 19th. There are two opportunities. We'll offer it twice a week here at the church. Sundays at 11 a.m. during the 11 o'clock service or Tuesday nights here at church at 7.30 p.m. It'll run for a semester. Uh, so this course of foundations It'll be nine weeks long. It'll finish before the holidays. And uh, each week there'll be live teaching from some of our staff, teaching on how can we rely on the Bible, who is God, who is Jesus, who's the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for my life? Most important questions that you're asking, your family, your small group is asking. Uh, you are, could come as an individual. It would be powerful. You could come as a couple. Uh, you could come as a family. If you've got teens or young adults, that's when I first heard... Uh, the truths of foundations, or you could come with your small group. So at foundations, you'll sit at a table with others. There'll be live teaching and then some discussion questions. Uh, it's about an hour and 15 minute thing. Um, but you could come as a small group. You're looking for a place to meet this semester, solid content and teaching, discussion made for you. Take this semester, go through foundations, go through live teaching, the discussion questions. You can stay longer for prayer requests or whatever you'd like to do. Join us Sunday morning or Tuesday night. There's more foundations information at rockbrook.org foundations or the Rockbrook app. You could uh, ask questions if you have a question about it or you can register there, register you or your family or your small group. He builds our character through truth. Secondly, he builds your character through time. 
It takes time to grow spiritually. It, it doesn't happen overnight. He builds it through testing. God, God will test your integrity. Builds it through truth, builds it through time. He builds it through testing. God will test your, whether or not you keep your promises. He'll test your generosity. He'll test your humility. He'll test your faith. He'll test it, or he'll grow you to maturity through trouble. God will grow you in your life through the problems in your life. People are often, not often, people are. People are like the little tea bags we give away in the lobby with the coffee. Of you have no idea what's really in it until you put it in hot water. That's when you find out who you really are. That's when you really grow to who God created you to be. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, not everything is good. There is a lot of bad things in the world, but it works together. It works together. For everybody? No. Uh, this is a promise for those who love God and those who are, have gone all in on his purposes. If you don't love God, if you're not trying to follow his purposes, everything does not work out good for you. It doesn't. God owes you nothing if you do your own thing. But if you follow his ways, God says, I'll take all the things that have happened to you in your life, even all of the stuff that you caused yourself, and use it for good. But here's the problem. Because we aren't God, we cannot see that whole picture. We are left to trust him to trust that God will do it. You have to trust that God knows what he's doing more than you know what you're doing. Because God is God, your life has sanctity. In fact, Abby, let's put all of these up here, please. Our life has sanctity, my being has dignity, my days have intentionality, my problems produce maturity, and number five, my future is eternity. It's not going to end here on earth. Your life is not going to end in terrorism and earthquakes and drama and a place with illness and disease and decay. It doesn't end here. Because, you, because there is a God and you were made in his image, it means there's more to life than just the here and now. The Bible says God made you to last forever. Your heart's going to stop one day. Your bodily functions are going to stop one day. That'll be the end of your body. That's not the end of you. You were made in God's image. You have a spirit. And one day that spirit is going to go on for eternity. The Bible says this in Psalm 23, most famous psalm in the Bible. The surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God wants you to be part of his forever house, his forever family. That's why you were created. That's why he created everything. Now, he's not going to force you to be a part of it. You have to choose it. He's not going to force you to love him, to know him, to trust him, to do his purpose, to be a part of his family. You have a choice. And one day that choice is going to be revealed to everyone. Romans 8.19 says, All creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. This is the most important question of life. Is your name going to be on that list? Have you chosen 
to receive Jesus' sacrifice for you? Have you chosen to love him so he can blot out your transgressions so that you can go to a perfect place to be in heaven before a perfect God? It's your choice. God has extended an open invitation. John 1.12 says, Believing is what gets us there. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. You can live a life with God or you can live a life without God. It's your choice. It's your choice. Friend, I believe that design is an indication of a designer. And not only that, I reject the logical implications of rejecting God, which is a life with no sanctity, a life with no dignity, a a life with no intentionality, a life with no growth, no maturity, and a life with no hope of eternity. I reject the implications of rejecting God. That is not living. That is existing. Let's pray together. Friend, before you were born, God knew that uh, you'd be here this morning at Rockbrook. He would know what has gotten your attention in life. And he's saying to you, I made you. I thought you up. I created you. I sent my son to die for you. I want to put dignity in your life again. Would you just come before God in your heart and mind this morning and say, dear God, thank you for creating the universe. Thank you for creating this world. Thank you for thinking of me before you created it all. And I'm amazed that you would love me that much. God, who am I? that you would think of me. Thank you for wanting to be a part of, wanting me to be a part of your believers, your church, your family, your body. Jesus Christ, I thank you for dying for me. I don't understand it all, but I want to trust in you. I invite you into my life. I want your spirit in my life. Thank you for making me for a purpose. And God, I want it to be true of me that that my record is clean, that you have blotted out my transgressions, you have restored me, you have given me a new identity in Christ, and that I am secure for eternity. God, help me to treat everybody with dignity, to share this good news with those who do not know it yet. I pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.